Hello there and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. We hope everyone had a happy Halloween, but in true 2020 fashion, we woke up that morning to some tragic news. We found out that the, the icon, the legend, Sean Connery, had passed away at the age of 90. So we thought it was fitting today to do a kind of mini tribute episode towards him because he's had such an amazing uh, list of films in his career. And even though he was happily retired for the last, geez, I think like, I think his, his last big movie was like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen 2003. But he had, he, he did, I think a couple things here and there, but he really was, you know, happily retired. He had, he had done a long, long time acting and he was just enjoying his retirement. So uh, we're of course still very just shocked to lose such an icon, but um, Taylor, I think we want to start talking here about probably still one of his most notable roles that he's known for is of course James Bond, uh, which I think he did six films as Bond. Uh, yes, uh, officially part of the Bond legacy, starting with Doctor No and that whole ongoing series. He had did six roles, and of course he came back for an unofficial one called Never Say Never, which quite panned, uh, and I never saw it, but it, mm. uh, it's kind of a remake of Thunderball, so to speak. So, But officially he did six films and he was the, the leading man of Bond and really what every other Bond film modeled after. Of course, whenever I think any actor starts off a role, whether it's you know an ongoing you know character, and there's a lot of characters been played by multiple people and there's always like the original and not always the original, of course, they set the standard, but I think it was more than that because what Sean Connery brought to it, he brought what the character was. It was just very, very suave. He knew what he was doing. He, he knew all the right moves, uh, whether, however, to get out of that pinch or whatever he was in, mm-hmm. but he had to make it look effortlessly. And already, Stan, the guy, Sean Connery was actually Sir Sean Connery because he was knighted. I That's believe. right. Yeah, so if, let's give let's give some uh, respect to the title. Are, but he was yeah. already has a presence, six foot two. So he yeah, already he's has tall. the leading man look. And, and um, he's a handsome lad. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well. He, 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 had, he had that, yeah, he had that kind of pivotal movie star action hero look. especially during the times because that was during 19 you know 1962 i believe was mm-hmm. dr no it started yep. off yep and he did have that look like the rock hudson look or and he just kind of defined really defined the leading man not just for bond but for years to come and of course <laughs> you got to look at what his character and his movies alone inspired for so many other movies and parodies even if you look at like the austin powers movies those yep. are like the hairy chest, uh, yep. gold finger, gold member. So a lot of what he brought to the table inspired so many things ago, whether it was for humor or for entertainment and action sake. And I, my first experience with Bond wasn't Sean Connery. Like many people of our generation, we were Pierce Brosnan. Pierce and Brosnan, yeah. I went back and I went to watch all of the films from the beginning. So I've actually seen everything up to the latest 
Daniel Craig film. I've seen all the Bond films. Yeah, so I'm kind of the Bond expert. And uh, so I can tell you, like, you know, who's the Bond? A lot of people say, oh, Sean Connery. And they may not even see the movies, but they're just like, oh, because he was the role. No, he he defined the role, but he he made it his own. And of course, that's what he will always be known as. But he really set the standard uh, for the the John I bought the, uh, there's a great 50 Years of Bond DVD collection that I bought my dad a couple years back. That has all the movies up until I want to say, uh, not Spectre. It's probably the one before that. Probably Quantum of Solace. Right before. Uh, no, no, no. What's the one after that? Uh, Skyfall. Sorry. Skyfall. Skyfall. There it is. Yeah, I think it's up to Skyfall uh, at the time. And of course, now we had Spectre, and we're getting uh, No Time to Die coming out in April. But yeah, I I've only seen Doctor No of the Sean Connery films, and. It's kind of interesting to think of Sean Connery has a whole kind of list of credits where he has that Bond look. He's got the the really dark hair that's, you know, and he's really got the no facial hair kind of look. And then he transforms into like the his middle age to older Sean Connery, which we're so used to more of the either a mustache or the full. And that's when like. most people, if you do a Sean Connery impression, it's his, his native. Yeah, that's that's when you do the Sean Connery. Yes. The kind of older. Uh, although he had, he had that accent his entire life. It wasn't like he hit it in every movie, you know, he's, he's been that since the beginning, but it is funny that that's more of the, uh, especially for our generation. I feel like more people are aware of that Sean Connery because he had such a, you know, he's done such iconic work. But there's a lot of films that probably people more know of from his later years, Absolutely. especially with these kind of big action comedy films or, uh, you know, stuff like what we'll get to later, like Indiana Jones and stuff. But now I remember uh, a film of his that I've I've loved for a long time since I was a young kid. I remember going to the library and actually checking it out on VHS. That's right. VHS. You heard right was there was a and time. It's, it's, there was a time it's actually now available on disney plus which I, I rewatched it about a year ago now is a film called darby o'gill and the little people okay. it's actually a film that set him up in to kind of like be in the look for bond and what it is is it's this kind of cute little film about this old man named darby o'gill who believes he sees leprechauns and is trying to like get gold and he has a daughter and Sean Connery moves into the town and he's kind of like that young lad, the handsome young lad, and he takes a fancy to her daughter. And it's kind of this all fantasy elements with leprechauns and stuff. It's a really great movie. It's actually got some really creepy moments in it too. But he plays kind of like that young strapping guy. He comes into town. He's the new guy. And so there's a couple other characters that don't really take a fancy to him because of that jealousy. You know, there's only one really cute girl in the town and stuff. But you could tell that was a great starting point to be noticed for more, I think, larger roles, and especially for that leading man kind of figure. And he actually even sings in that film. Oh, really? Which is kind of cool. Yeah, he so has this like is a on song. Disney, this is on Disney Plus right now. It's on Disney Plus. Okay, currently. I have to check I this. I've not seen this. It out. It's a great film. It's called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. But yeah, you know, six films is a bond. You have to remember, if a formula is not working, then they're not going to continue with that actor, which... We, we've seen that in the Bond series, unfortunately. Sometimes you know? they've, they've run it into the ground a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even look at, you know, currently, you know, I think Daniel Craig is a great Bond. And his pattern of films has kind of been really awesome. Okay. 
really awesome. Okay. So we're hoping that his last film will be really awesome. Yeah. That's been kind of the pattern. Oh, I would, kind of, I would agree with that. If you like yeah. thinking about it now, you're right. It, it is hit, miss, hit, miss, where, of course, the formula of Bond has been around for so long that it's what was really refreshing about Daniel Craig's take on it, completely mm-hmm. different. He's blonde, blue-eyed, and these were going for the more what we're used to now, like the Mission Impossible, Fast and the Furious type of movies where it's taken that to the next level. Uh, yeah. And also the realism as well, because Bond is is aging and, you know, there's he's not, uh, you know, kind of the relic of the old world, so to speak. Yeah. Well, now let's go into uh, just I think, you know, it's fun to talk about our favorite Sean Connery films. You know, there's there's so many films of his what I've was never fir- seen. What was the first was Darby O'Gill the first one you see? What was the what was your? Earth, no, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the first Sean Connery film I ever saw, which is probably the same for most kids probably the same for me uh, as well is indiana jones and the last crusade yeah i want to say it's probably the first film i saw him in um which is one of my favorite roles of his because he is playing against type he himself was the harrison ford of his day like he that was he you know had indiana jones been a movie concept back in the 60s or early 70s he would have been the guy. He, you know, like he, he easily would have had. It would have been perfect for that. And it's and it's actually funny you say that because you think about Indiana Jones when they did like the young Indiana Jones series. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, scenes where it's a different actor playing a younger uh, Henry Jones Senior, and he does have that swagger that Harrison Ford brought to that. That I could mm-hmm. see with James Bond. He would he had the humor. He had that that quality of him. So. It, you're absolutely right where he's just kind of playing this kind of like a, the dorky dad, the dorky dad. And like, he does have moments where he does have that kind of uh, action side, but I love that they keep playing the humor that although he is the kind of dorky dad, he is just as much a womanizer as <laughs> oh, his yes. son is when like, they both realize that they've both been attracted to the same girl, just those little beats and those moments in the, the, you know, the, the passion, the night. <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry between him and Harrison Ford, it was just so funny. Because... Which is funny because and it's not a huge age difference to play his dad. No. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was, I think, still my first film I can remember. Um, another one that was an early uh, film of his I remember seeing, although he himself is not in the, you know, it's not him in the film. It's a voice credit is in Dragonheart. Yes, I do remember that. That when was he voices when he voices the dragon of Draco. Um, you know, that, that's still like, especially when you look at our, the kind of age uh, range when you were like, let's see, that came out in 1996. So I was like eight, seven or eight mm-hmm. in that time period. There was not a whole bunch of fantasy like movies as we kind of have now. Like we had a big boom of fantasy movies, especially after Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter came out. This is a few years before. When still things were, they're still kind of figuring out that CGI to practical effects. And, you know, whereas Jurassic Park did it very well because they actually built huge, you know, they actually and, built huge puppets and stuff. Yeah, the animatronics were amazing. Draco was like fully CGI. And I recently watched it about know, a few months ago. It doesn't hold up as well as it used to, but it's still a fun movie. Like, you know, it's, it's cheesy. It's got that humor to it, especially because he is this almighty dragon, but this kind of banter of like two old 
like you know the with, relic um, the relic warriors the know, relic warriors like talking to each other and being uh you know uh with dennis quaid being kind of like he's kind of like a grumpy old man you know he's like the grumpy old i feel like dennis quaid played like a grumpy old man even when he was younger he said that yeah i mean yeah. he kind of had that and it's kind of like the the two of them always butting heads it made for a fun movie i just you know it was one uh i really enjoyed but what's do you have any you know you can remember from your youth I that I was funny you brought that up because I hadn't thought about that right off the bat. But Sean Connery and Dragonheart was really good. I remember watching that as a kid, and of course, uh, Last Crusade. And then I remember those two films very well. And then I actually was introduced to a lot. I a lot of the crime dramas. I actually had an early education. A lot of kids, you know, were okay. Wait till you're like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. I was fairly young, but when it was on the TV. But I did introduce you early on to the Untouchables mm, uh, with yeah. him, and with him. And I think a lot of my mom was, and she probably still is, but was a huge fan of uh, Kevin Costner. So I love Kevin Costner. And his like, hey, that was his heyday. But yep. 1987, I believe that came out. And Untouchables, I just remember him playing that character and also uh, Fighting Forrester. Yeah, Fighting Forrester. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he just had, what I loved about, what I got from Sean Connery at that young age was he had that, real maternal father grandfather figure where it was just kind of kind of the grumpy old man but also just the really like you just could talk to him listen to him talk for hours and i just i wanted i was glued to the screen when he was on there because he just had that no matter how old he was uh, growing through the years he just still had that leading man that charisma that that swagger and of course this movie I hadn't seen when it came out for many years until very recently. I don't know why it took me so long, but I got back and I finally watched The Rock about a year ago. Oh, yes. The Rock. <laughs> Which is just, again, one of those over-the-top bonkers films. Well, and... it's, it's it's Michael Bay in his, you know, true form doing those those crazy action, you know, ridiculous kind of concept movies. But Connery playing this, uh, you know, criminal that is helping out this... <laughs> scientists work out for this you know there's a there's a coup going on on alcatraz and it's just like this whole ridiculous concept of like we have to break into the prison only one man ever broke out <laughs> it's like uh and nick cage in there being like the nerdy scientist guy the pairing of them there was a chemistry there that worked a movie I actually remember when i would go uh when, when my family when i was younger first couple of times i went to vegas for like a vacation we would stay at Excalibur because it's like a castle and it's all like the knights and stuff. And there was an actual shop there. I, I It probably still is there that had a lot of like medieval merchandise and you could even buy like swords and stuff. And they always would have on like 24 seven first night would be playing on the uh, TVs there because it's of course talking about Camelot and King Arthur. And he played King Arthur in that movie. And I remember that that movie was kind of cool because I think up until that point, the only kind of King Arthur stories we knew were, of course, the Sword and Stone, the Disney film. Mm-hmm. And there was that, what was that cartoon movie about Camelot that had it was, come out? It had like, it was called Camelot. No, the was it called Camelot? Cam- yeah. Quest for Camelot. Quest for Camelot. Yeah. With the double head dragon. Yes. And uh, Eric Idle. And- <laughs> so like, this was, this was kind of cool because it was, for what I can remember up until that point, we've had, We've had other variations since it was like a live action King Arthur film. So I remember I, I didn't watch it in its full entirety till a couple years later. But I remember watching that and being like, oh, he was a 
perfect King Arthur for that because he has that presence of, like you said, he has that age range, especially in these these later films when he has the facial hair and he's got more of the the gray hair. He has that kind of look of he's definitely older, but he's not like old. You know, mid, and so he, but he has that medieval presence. And you know, it's funny you say that talking about gray and old. He's one of the many actors where I'm glad, I think, because the world we live in now would have been what if. But mm-hmm. one of the big roles that he turned down was the role of Gandalf. He yeah. Was, he was offered to play that uh, originally, but declined it because he didn't understand the script, which is funny because that, that story had been around a long time. And it would have been interesting to see him play that Gandalf. But again, Ian McKellen. Frodo. Yeah. yeah. Is it secret? Is it safe? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, obviously it worked out for Sir Ian McKellen, but uh, I think that's you know that's the thing though is by the, that point in his life he had done so many films. It's you know it's also do you want to take that time to go move to another country for two and a half years to make these movies? You know I think it you know didn't work out for him and he made a different choice, which we're going to get to uh, here at the end, but. I just wanted to mention before we move on to his last kind of main picture, uh, another one I do enjoy that I, I did not see until later in life. I think for the first time I watched it was last year was Highlander. I haven't seen the the second one that he's in, but uh, Highlander is a, a fun concept with this whole idea of like time travel and, and again, knights and, you know, he plays this kind of Spanish guy that's teaching him how to fight and everything he's got the long hair again it's just kind of funny like him him being a chameleon in some ways but his his slight flaw if he ever had one was that he always had that kind of accent like he didn't try he, to change it at all it just he didn't just... really ever mask the fact that that's how he normally talks it's and almost so... like it's not not in, it's definitely not in the same caliber but it's almost like christopher walken is the same uh-huh. like he doesn't have really any different it's like even yeah when he started but yeah he played various characters for sure but it's just funny that he kind of always talked that way but we did mention um in our universal monster episode we were talking about the legacy of those classic characters mm-hmm. and a film we brought up that I still actually really enjoyed this film a lot. It was his last main role in a film before he kind of started his retirement was um, Alan Quatermain in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that came out in 2003. That was like his last big on-screen film role. Um, and it's a great role for him. I think that was actually something, you know, I think because he turned down Lord of the Rings a couple years later, he actually took that instead. And a movie I wish had had more legs. I wish it had done better because it, it, it was, it was ahead of its time with this whole, like now we're so obsessed with crossovers the and, you, the, and we the, the team the, ups of these the cinematic universe type movies. Like had this movie been made now, it probably would have done better because they might've done like an invisible man movie, a Dorian well, Gray movie. This could have, would have been, could have, would have been, could have been, uh, could have, would have showed up the idea of with the dark universe coming up and like having all these characters, it would have been the concept would have been, although it's based on different source material, the -hmm. concept would have been great for a future mashup. If you had like stories, because the tough thing again, with that movie is you're putting together characters that yes, they have a legacy. Uh, Some we don't really know because like, you know, one guy's playing 
you know, Agent Tom Sawyer and, and things yeah. like that. But if you establish the characters more before, then you have more of an investment in the characters. That's why Avengers yeah. so well, because it's like, oh, we know these characters. Now we're going to see them interact with these other characters we love. So I think that's part of the reason um, that it, it may have done better. It could have, it, it didn't do as well. But I still love that movie, despite what the critics say. It was one of my favorites. And Sean Connery is playing classic Sean Connery. It's just great. Oh, he's he's the, he's the leader of the group. He's got that that stern kind of you know uh, desire to take out evil, and he's kind of that you know everyone has either these dark powers or they have something about them, and he's kind of like the marksman. He's got the, the last uh, great hunter out of retirement. Yeah, he's so. like the hunter that hunts down you know the top prey, and so no, it's it, it was you know a fitting last role if that's going to be his last role. He's known for. Um, because I think it is one of those movies that has become more of like a cult classic uh, for those who really enjoy it. Um, but, you know, overall, there's still so many films of his I've never seen and I want to try and watch. He just he was a master of his craft. He was a master of the, the screen. I mean, he, he literally was such an icon. And it's just, you know, even though he was retired and it's been a long time since he's been on the screen there's so much of a legacy to look at how he yeah he really kind of set the standard for the leading man but and I, I have to we have to before i go we do have to talk about one of the best inspirations uh, he could have inspired for comedy was that of uh, i believe daryl hammond's sean connery for celebrity jeopardy oh on, on celebrity jeopardy <laughs> a great <laughs> great caricature of him great caricature of the idea that Sean Connery is always on Celebrity Jeopardy and he is just constantly rude to Alex Trebek, who was always played by Will Ferrell. Um, that was some really funny sketches. Those, those heyday when SNL was really, really good. That was a great cast. But yeah, that was always, you know, he'd be like, um, I'll take an, uh, an anal bum cover. That's an album cover, <laughs> you know, and he'd be like, uh, I like the one where he was like, uh, He's like, uh, what sound does a dog make? Moo. He's like, that isn't great. Yeah. That's a sound your mother made last night. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, just so great. That's a nice sweater, Trebek. Do they make it for men? <laughs> like, he would just do stuff like that all the time. And it was, it, uh, it's it's really funny. It, it, and, you know, a, a, a character that, uh, because he had that particular accent and in, in the way he looked with that, especially in his older years, he had that salt and pepper look of the, the gray hair, the kind of darker mustache and beard. I mean, yeah, it made for some great humor. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. This is, this is, you know, we, we lose big celebrities every year. It's the circle of life, but uh, some hit us a little harder than others. And this is definitely one that was just kind of like, not, not the best way to start Halloween, a, a true 2020 moment, no, but, but um, definitely. Yeah. What an icon. And especially to inspire to to grow up when we did to kind of get him in his heyday but then go back and appreciate all the stuff that he created but certainly an icon that it was really the quality over quantity of his mm -hmm. roles that i think that yeah. would be known for and if if it was just bond it was just this or that but what an incredible way and i'm, I'm glad that he he passed away peacefully as well as i yes. heard so and that was yeah but yeah so sean connery i'm uh, gonna miss you uh, just knowing that you had such an impact on my youth and generations of youths uh, of the blockbuster and the leading icon, because without you, I don't think it would have been, I don't know what Bond would have been without Connery. 
Yeah, he definitely uh, he set the pass. So thank you, Sir Sean Connery. You will be missed. And uh, thanks for listening today to our little tribute to him. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.